Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Exodus 25, Bible says, And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ramskins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and donuts. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just as you shall make it. And so, Father, we just thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that your spirit is here, present amongst us, God. We love your word. Your word is just powerful. Your word shifts something in our hearts. It does something to us, Lord God. And I just pray today as I share the word that your spirit would be here, your gifts would be in operation, Lord God, even as I share, and that your word would begin to make sense in our hearts and lives. We want to hear a word from you above all else. We're hungry to hear a word from you. So speak by the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak today on the subject, the purpose of giving. Um, today is our special offering for the purchase of the building next door. And um, again, I want to just thank those who have given, those who still will. Uh, may God bless you as you do. question that came to my mind uh, as I was reflecting on today was, why should we give? Why do we give? Uh, why should we give our finances uh, to support uh, the local church? And in order to answer this question, we're going to look at a time when God asked Israel to build a sanctuary to build a tabernacle. We read about it in our text. The people of Israel had come out of Egypt. They'd gone uh, through the Red Sea with miraculous power. They had the Ten Commandments. And God speaks to Moses and says, you tell the people to bring a, a, an offering, a willing offering, um, not forced. Um, I, I love it. it. It's they were to bring an offering that, that, that they were willing to bring from their heart. It wasn't something that, that was going to be forced upon them, you know, manipulated, that they should be manipulated to give. As a church, I, I pray we never get trapped with any of that. I never want to get trapped with any of that. Um, I want us to always give willingly as unto the Lord in the name of Jesus, understanding why we give and tell them, I want you to build a sanctuary, a tabernacle, a place of worship. And then he gives them three reasons why he wants them to build this tabernacle. Reasons why God gave Moses uh, to build the tabernacle, the same reasons why he wants us to invest in the local church even today. Nothing has changed after thousands of years. And as our church, we never want to get confused or distracted by what this thing called the church is really all about. Purpose of the building is not so that people can say, wow, what a great building. Purpose of this building is not so people can drive past and go, oh, it's an amazing building. That's not the purpose. Purpose of this building is not so that we can put our name on it and say, look what we've done. Look how good we are. And it's not even so that in hundreds of years' time, people can visit this building as a tourist site. Um, when I was 15, 16, I can't remember. Yeah, around that time. Uh, sister and I did a tour of Europe, 30-day tour of Europe. And they took us to all the cathedrals. Now, back when you're 16, you don't appreciate these things. I saw two of them I'd seen enough, you know. 
How many people have seen all the, the cathedrals there in Europe? They just, it's one after the other. And some of these cathedrals were just in, incredible, majestic buildings. And, and I often think about today, how did they build these buildings? There's one in Germany that we went to see, I think, Cologne. And it's just an amazing, we, we climbed to the top of it. And I just thought, how did, how did they build these? No engineers, drawings, no plans, no computers, uh, no bobcats. How did they actually build these things? Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, after hundreds of years of, of building, they might have been built to the glory of God initially, but after hundreds of years, they've become a tourist site. I pray this church will never become a tourist site. I pray this church will never become a, a, a place where people walk in and they buy tickets at the door and then they get a, someone who takes them through the building and says, well, this is where this happened and this is where the other thing happened. And this was the original pew and this was the original pulpit and this was the, the you know, I, I, I pray this church will never become like that. Because none of those reasons are good enough reasons to give to a church. The church is not about a denomination, a religion, a person. The church was not our idea. It was God's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. So it's really important that we understand why God wants to build the church. God spoke to the people of Israel and he said, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to build a place of worship. And three things, there are three things that I want to do with this place of worship. Three things that are at the heart of God as to why the church should exist. And so I want to talk about these three things because I pray that they will encourage all of us today. So the first purpose for the tabernacle is found in verse 8 of the chapter we read. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. The reason why God wanted them to build the tabernacle was so that he could dwell among his people. It still amazes me that the God that we serve, The God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Above all else, just wants to dwell with his people. He wants to be with them. He wants to be present there. I want you to build this tabernacle because I want to dwell amongst you. I tell you, if there's something that the church needs more than anything else, it's for God to be present. What the church needs above all else is the presence of God. What set Israel apart from the other nations was not that they were a special race or an intelligent race or a stronger race. What set them apart from the other nations was the presence of God's glory. What made Israel different from every other nation was the glory of God, the presence of God. What makes the church different from every other organization is the presence of God. Moses understood the importance of God's presence. One day he said to God, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from here. I pray that if there's something that we would understand in our own hearts and lives, it's the importance of God being present with us. You know, so often we can do things with the Holy Spirit and we can do things in the human spirit. And sometimes we don't always know the difference between the two. But you know, one has the presence of God, the other one doesn't. I, I never want to move, in, I never want to make decisions. We as a leadership team never want to make decisions that are not in the will of God. Because when we're in the will of God, we have the presence of God. Moses said, Moses said to, to, to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, then who's, what's going to distinguish us from every other nation of the world? One of my prayers, and you know this because I speak about it often and regularly, and I'll keep on speaking about it regularly. One of the foundational principles of my life has been, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from here. I never want to be in a place in my life where God is not with me. When we have the presence of God, we have the favor of God. 
When we have the presence of God, we have the blessing of God. We have, we have the abilities that God gives us. I never want to be outside of the will of God. I don't care where that is. I don't care what God wants me to do. I just want to be sure that God is with me. And as a church, we never want to be in a place where God is not. I never want to be in a place where, where, where we're moving in a direction and God is going, hey, guys, I, hello, I'm actually moving in this other direction. Moses says to God, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from here. And Moses was saying, what else is going to distinguish us from every other group that gathers? What makes the church different is not the music, it's not the lights, it's not the preaching, it's not the buildings. What makes the church unique is the presence of God. Without the presence of God, we are nothing. What changes people's lives is the presence of God. What sets people free is the presence of God. What makes a difference in the presence is, is in people's lives. It's not the music, it's not the preaching, it's not my words. It's the, it's the glory of God, it's the presence of God that makes a difference in people's lives. It's a great example of this in why we need the glory of God in one of the miracles that Jesus did. Uh, Lazarus had died. We know the story. He had died and Jesus was not there. He was away. And um, the Bible says that it took four days for Jesus to come um, to where uh, Mary and Martha were and where Lazarus had died. And by this time, they've already uh, buried him. He's in a tomb. And um, Martha says to Jesus, uh, Jesus, if you had been here, if only you'd come a little bit earlier, you could have done something. And listen, listen carefully. Jesus says to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, there's a relationship here between faith and the glory of God. There's a, there's a relationship here between faith and the presence of God. If you would have believed, Martha, you would see the glory of God. I pray as a church, we would always be a church with faith. I pray we would always come to church with faith. I pray we would always believe that God could do something amongst us in the name of Jesus. I pray that every time we gather together, that we would always come with a sense of faith and say, God, if you don't show up, nothing is going to happen. We need the glory of God. We need the presence of God. Jesus comes there and there's Lazarus in the tomb. And he goes to the tomb and he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And right then, <laughs> open the tomb and there comes Laris wrapped up in all of his stuff and there he comes bouncing out of the tomb. A miracle had happened. Why do we need the presence of God, the glory of God? We need the presence of God because there are people who walk into church who need a miracle. Because there are people who walk into church who need things, who are going through things, who need strength that only God can give them. There are times in our lives where what we need can only come from God. And so every time we gather together as a church, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come, because without you, this is going to be a waste of time. Holy Spirit, come, because without you, we're just going to go through our rituals. We're going to go through three songs, four songs. Then we're going to do some stuff. I'm going to say a few words. We're going to walk out, walk in one way. We're going to walk out the same way. Holy Spirit, come. Come with your power to save and heal and restore and reveal. Come with your gifts because there are people in this room who need you above all else. Can I hear an amen? amen? I pray we would never forget this principle or this concept because it's so important to us. You know, one of, one of the things that, that, that um, uh, concerns me more than anything else as a pastor over the years um, is, is when I come to church and I don't sense the presence of God. Um, thank God it hasn't happened too many times, but there's been a few times where I come to church and, you know, and I just, I don't feel nothing. And if there's something that rattles me, it's that more than anything else. 
And as soon as that happens that week, I'm in the presence of God. I'm talking to God. I say, God, what's happened? Who, what have we done, Lord God? Where have we moved? What's, what's going on, Lord God? Because God doesn't move, it's usually us that moves. When we don't sense the presence of God anymore, it's usually us that have moved, not God necessarily. And so I'm in the, saying, God, what do we need to do? I thank God that as a church, uh, one of our core values as a church is prayer. You know, as a, my own kind of the way I'm wired up, I'm very much into strategic planning. I love that whole thing. Just comes naturally to me. Vision, mission, values, you know, uh, core values. The whole, the whole box and dice comes really clear to me. And um, there's probably two things that are, to me are crucial when it comes to the church. The first thing is vision, that we need to understand why the church exists. We've got to be really clear, crystal clear about why the church exists. I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments. Um, but the second thing is prayer. The, the, the two core things out of a whole strategic plan, the, the two most important things, one is vision. Why do we exist? And the second thing is prayer. Why do we pray? We pray because we need the presence of God. We need the glory of God. We need God to show up. And so, you know, first Wednesday of every month is dedicated to prayer. I thank God there's a great group of people that gather together on that first Wednesday and pray. Beginning of the year, we always begin with prayer and fasting. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. Because we need the presence of God to be amongst us. I love the verse in the Gospel of Luke where it says, one day as he was teaching, that, that is Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. What we need is for the power of the Lord to be present here amongst us. Can I hear an amen? Something powerful about the presence of God, there's salvation in his presence, power, joy, healing, peace, restoration, there's wisdom in his presence. So many times in my own life, I've come into church limping. So many times in my life, I've walked into church, just, just God, I need something from you. Come on, anybody ever, it's just me, I understand. I know, I've got plenty of dysfunctions, plenty of them. But you know, there's been times in, 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 there's been times in my life where I, I can't wait for communion. Because I just need to connect with God. I just need to connect with God. I need God to speak to me somehow. And you know, God never disappoints. Sometimes it's through a word. Sometimes it's through a song. Sometimes it's through an interaction that happens with someone. And, and it's just a, a thought or a word. And suddenly you feel a little bit different. Suddenly hope begins to rise again. Suddenly faith begins to rise again. David says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. There's something about dwelling in the house of God, in the presence of God. One of the things it does, it, it encourages us to worship the Lord. Psalm 27, I referred to it before. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There's just something special about the church of Jesus Christ. I can't explain it. The Bible calls it a mystery. But there's something that happens when the church gathers together. Song that Don Moen wrote some years ago. He said, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, Feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory. In your presence, that's where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. No substitute for the presence of God. God said to the people, you bring me an offering. Build a tabernacle because I just want to, I just want to dwell among you. 
just want to be in your presence. God says, and then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. First and foremost, God wants to dwell in our hearts. The Old Testament, God dwelt in a temple. Only, only the high priest could go in and experience the presence of God one time per year. And what they used to do back then, they used to put bells uh, on his, uh, on his uh, garment, right? Because uh, when he went in there, he didn't know if he was going to live or die, you know. And they used to tie a rope to him, you know, so that he, because, well, we don't know what could happen. So if he had been sinning, you know, and kind of, you know, not, not hiding or didn't have a heart that was right, he would fall dead in the presence of God. There was a fear of the presence of God. In the, Old, in the New Testament, Jesus came and, and he tore the veil in two. And now through Jesus Christ, we can all enter into the presence. And let us come boldly into the presence of God, where we can find mercy and help in our time of need. We can all come into the presence. God doesn't dwell in temples. He dwells in our hearts. But more than that, He also expands to wherever people want Him to dwell. How many people would like God to dwell in our homes? We need the presence of God in our home. Holy Spirit, come. Our home, that our home would be a place where, there, where there's the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the glory of God, not just in our hearts and in our lives, but also in our home, that our homes would be a place of healing, that our homes would be a place of refuge in the name of Jesus, that whatever's happening outside in our workplace, we can have a really terrible day. But as we come into our home, our home becomes a place of, of refuge where we experience the presence and the glory of God. Not only in our homes, but also in our church. We invite the Holy Spirit to come. Come by your Spirit. Come and dwell amongst us. Tell them to build a tabernacle and I would dwell among them. Second purpose for why God wanted the people of Israel to build a tabernacle is found in verse 22. And there I will meet with you. God says, I don't want to just dwell among you. God says, I want to meet with you. I actually want to have an encounter with you. I want to meet with you. And it's in the midst of the presence of God that we can have a personal encounter with God. God says, I want to do something in your life. And when we meet with God, our whole life is completely and radically changed. We can be in the presence of someone, but then we can meet them and there's just a massive difference. We can, we can know that someone is in the room and that's great, but meeting them becomes a whole other thing. One time uh, we had um, this uh, footballer, Crows footballer, had visited our church, right? He, crawls into, he comes into church, you know, after the service had started. Within minutes, I'm at the front, right? He's walked in at the back. I'm at the front. Within minutes, I know there's a footballer in church. <laughs> uh, it's one thing to be in the presence of someone. It's quite another thing to actually meet them. It's quite another thing to meet them. God says, I don't want to just be present among you. I want to meet with you. I want to actually meet with you. Wouldn't it be nice one Sunday if uh, word gets around, hey, God is in this place. <laughs> he just walked in. <laughs> Bible says we're two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. All through the Bible, you see that whenever God met with people, they were never the same again. When Moses was in the desert tending his sheep, he sees a burning bush and he goes over to see what was going on. And, he, and, and, and as he goes there, he meets with God and he was changed. He's just doing what he's normally doing. There's a burning bush over there. The Bible says he turns aside. He goes towards that. As he goes there, he has an encounter with the living God. 
that changed his life. Jacob has an encounter with God just before he met Esau. His brother, he was scared of his brother. He's scared that his brother was going to kill him. He sends his family uh, over, uh, over, over the river and he sends them over uh, and, and he stays back one day. And the Bible says a man comes. It was God and, and he begins to wrestle with him. And uh, the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It's just a powerful scripture. Just a powerful word. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And right there and then he has an encounter with God. And his name was changed from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel. And uh, God blessed him in a powerful way. What's going to change some of that stuff in our lives? What's going to change some of those attitudes, some of those, some, some of those things in our life? I tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be the presence of God. It's an encounter with God. Naaman has an encounter with God and he was healed from leprosy. His life was changed in an instant. Whenever Jesus met with people, they were never the same again. One day he meets a Samaritan woman at, at a well and, and he begins to talk to her. And, and, and uh, she was there because she didn't want anyone to, uh, she didn't want to speak to anyone and so on and so on. And she, and she has an encounter with Jesus and her life was radically changed. Zacchaeus, who was a charlatan, a, a tax collector, a thief, and, and he meets with Jesus and he was radically changed in an instant. Paul, who, who, who was a, a religious terrorist, uh, has an encounter with God on the road to Damascus, and he was radically changed. He was never the same again. When we meet God, we will never be the same again. That's why David says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Just, just when can I go and meet with God? I just want to meet with him, David says. Couldn't wait to meet with God because he understood how powerful that actually was. God calls us into his presence to meet with him. When we come to church, we don't want to just have an emotional experience. We want people to have an encounter with the living God. When they have an encounter with the living God, their lives will be radically changed. It's a beautiful line that we sung in one of the songs today. It says, you picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. Isn't that a beautiful line? Just a beautiful, uh, you know, you picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. Um, we had pieces all over the place. But, 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 but you put us back together. That's what happens when we have an encounter with the living God. God said to the people of Israel, I want you to build a tabernacle because I want to dwell there with you. But more than that, I just want to meet with you. I want to, I want to meet with you. And finally, he says, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. That's the third reason why the church exists is because God wants to speak to people. He doesn't want to just meet with someone. He doesn't want to just be present. He wants to meet with us. But more than that, He wants to speak to us. If you study the religions of the world, you'll find that their God asks them to follow a set of rules, follow a set of rituals, but there's no sense of relationship. The relationship that people have with their religious figure is usually based on fear more than anything else. I don't know if I've done enough to please him. I, I, don't, I don't know. Did, did, did I do enough this week to make him happy? It's a relationship that's based on fear. And there's this sense I've got to try and do more and more and more and so on. No relationship. Christianity is not based on fear. It's based on love. A relationship that we have with God. It's God loves us. He's already done everything. And all we need to do on the basis of the fact that he's done everything for us, we come to him 
and we worship Him. Christianity is about a relationship. He's a relational God and he listens when we pray and he speaks to those who listen. Listen to what the Bible says. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Now notice the scripture because it's powerful. It's Jeremiah 33 verse 3. It's the kind of scripture you need to, to memorize. Look how many times the word Lord is mentioned. It's three times. And in my Bible, it's capital L-O-R-D, which means Yahweh. It's the name for God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Listen to what God says. Uh, he says, listen, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's a powerful scripture. The God of the universe, the God, the creator of the universe, he, he, he calls us, he invites us to come to him because he wants to talk to us. He's got things he wants to tell us that are going to blow our minds away. I believe that God wants to speak to you, to me. So often we think, oh, God just speaks to the spiritual ones. Um, God doesn't speak to me. Well, that's a load of rubbish. Because God wants to speak to you. Psalm 29 says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. There it is. The, the concept there is that cedars are these big, massive trees that they're, you know, massive. You know, the kind of tree that isn't going to be moved very easily. And, and the psalmist is saying, well, let me tell you how powerful the voice of the Lord actually is. It has the power to break those cedars. It divides the, divides the flames of fire. It uh, shakes the wilderness. It's the power of the voice of the Lord. Jeremiah says, It's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. The rock speaks about something that's hard, doesn't change, inflexible. And there are things in our life that seem hard and inflexible and rigid. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know how this thing is going to change. i tell you what can help us deal with the hard things in life. It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. I, I believe one of the greatest things that we can learn as, as Christians is to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, you need to be careful. Don't tell too many people that God speaks to you because it could be a little bit dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Because people go, what a weirdo. And, you know, and even, if, even as I say this, it kind of sounds crazy. You might, what? God speaks to you? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, no worries. I, I can say. But it's a reality. It's truth. God speaks by his Holy Spirit. And he wants to speak to you. One of the greatest things that we can do is just learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says about Elijah, he'd called down fire from heaven, had this incredible miracle, done some amazing things. And then he hears that Jezebel is going to kill him by the end of the day. And so he runs, he runs into the desert. And as he's into the desert, he starts to talk to God and he says, God, I've had enough of everything. I just want to die. I'm no better than my ancestors. Just take my life. It's all finished. He's so depressed. He is so down. He wants it all. He wants to finish it all. And then in the midst of that, God speaks to him and says, I want you to go outside the cave because I'm going I'm, I'm to speak to you. And as you read that text, it's a beautiful text. Uh, uh, the Bible says that there was, a, there was an earthquake, that there was a powerful wind that happened, but God was not in the wind. And then there was a tornado and God was not in the tornado. And there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then, the, then there came a small, still voice. And God began to speak to Elijah. You know, there are some of you here today, you might be going through one of the worst situations in your life. 
You might be in a valley. You might be in a place of darkness where it all feels like it's dark around you, where there is no hope. Can I encourage you to do one thing? Just begin to cry out to God. Because in the midst of that, God begins to speak. And when, when, as God speaks, faith begins to rise. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. But how, 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 how mountains are moved in our lives. As God begins to speak, something begins to move and shift. It's an anchor that we get a hold of. Oh, God spoke to me. And it helps us navigate that particular tough time. Reading the book of Job is probably a great book of the Bible to read. I just love, I love the whole book, actually. And Job's going through the worst time of his life. And yet, while he's there, Job chapter 38, verse 1, and God spoke out of the storm. I don't care how dark your situation is right now. I don't know how messed up your situation is right now. Can I encourage you to cry out to God, to seek after God? Pastor Joe, I've been doing it for a week. Do it for another week. And then do it for another week. It's you push, you pray until something happens, until God speaks, because he will speak. And as he speaks, grab a hold of that word, and you'll see that faith will begin to rise in your heart and in your life. How does God speak to us? He speaks through the word, the worship, through people, through a message. He speaks through the small, still voice. When you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says we become spiritually alive. And because of that, we begin to know God in a powerful way. And prayer is all about speaking to God and talking to him about what happens in our lives. God says to the people of Israel, I want you to build a tabernacle because there's a few things I want to do. I want to dwell with you. But more than that, I want to meet with you. More than that, more than just meet with you. Hello, my name is Joe. Oh, that's good to meet you. See you later. Goodbye. More than meet with you, God says, I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you about your future. I want to speak to you about the things I want to do in your life. A few weeks ago, as I was praying, I was saying to God, God, I just, feel, I just thank you because I feel so privileged that I get to do this full time. Very few people all around the world ever get to do things full time. Um, their occupation is their vocation. It's what God calls them to do. I feel so privileged to do this. And, um, and I was talking to God about that. And as I was saying that, uh, a thought came into my mind. You know, the greatest privilege for me is not serving the Lord full time. The greatest privilege is knowing God. The greatest privilege for all of us is not serving him. You see, I would serve God anywhere. I mean, I'm serving him full time now. I would serve him in the marketplace. I would serve him in the marketplace before I ever did here at church. I would serve him in the desert. I would serve him any country in the world. I would serve him anywhere. Wherever he caused me to be, I would serve him. It doesn't bother me. Greatest privilege is not serving him. The greatest privilege is knowing him. And I'm not just saying about knowing about him. I'm saying the greatest privilege is knowing God, that we can have a relationship with God, that we talk to him and he talks back to us, that we go into his presence and we begin to say, hey, God, you know, there's this situation in my life. I don't know what to do with this. Would you help me? Would you give me strength? And God begins to speak to us. That we come into his presence when we don't know what to do. Lord, I got this situation. Do I do A, B, or C? What shall I do, Lord God? And as we cry out to God, God says, this is what I want you to do. God is the God who speaks to us. He leads us by the Holy Spirit. The greatest privilege we have is knowing him. Um, the story in uh, the letter to Ephesus, which is uh, powerful. We're going to look at that through the next couple of months. Um, and... Um, 
God, God speaks to the church of Ephesus. He says, you're amazing, you're hardworking, you're doing so much. You're, 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 you're a great church, but this I have against you. You've forgotten your first love. God is not so much interested in what we do. What God is interested in is our relationship with Him. He wants to meet with us and talk to us. Ephesians, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says He's knocking at the door of our heart. Now, what's interesting about that scripture, and we use that, you know, to describe for anybody, anybody that doesn't know God, but actually that scripture is directed to the church. The church had actually locked Jesus out and he's knocking on the door and he's telling the church, do you mind if I come in? I want to talk to you. God is saying to each and every one of us today, God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to you about your future. God wants to speak to you about your pain. God wants to speak to you about the decisions that you need to make. All we need to do is open that door, let him in. Look at the progression. He wants to dwell with us, meet with us, speak to us. People came and they built the tabernacle. And then we turn to Exodus 40 where it describes what, when the tabernacle was completed. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And listen carefully. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. There was a visible manifestation of the presence of God. And you know, God can be present and that speaks about God's omnipresence, but then He can be present with His glory. And that's when God begins to do something in our lives. I pray that God would come by His glory and His presence amongst us in the name of Jesus. It's one other reason why the church exists. The name of our church is Life. We didn't call it Life by accident. We're living in a world today where people are searching for life. We've got everything. Come on, church. In the Western world, we've got everything. We've got homes, cars, gadgets, um, access to education, access to health. You know, we go to hospital. There's a hospital where we can go. I know it might not be perfect. It's true. We go there and we complain about the food. I don't like the food. You know. <laughs> that somebody bought to you and you didn't pay a cent for. I don't like the food. <laughs> Some countries, they'll never, they'll, they'll, never, they'll never, ever, ever get that. We've got everything. God has blessed us. In so, so many ways, we've got everything and then we have nothing. We, we are the, the richest generation and yet we are the poorest emotionally. People are looking for life, peace, joy. Some people say, I just want some peace in my mind. Living in mansions, driving a beautiful car, but I, ju I just want peace in my mind. Can't remember the last time I experienced joy, happiness. You know, the word life is actually a Bible word. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they have life and life in abundance. Isn't that a powerful scripture? Jesus says, I've come. Listen to the reason why I came. I didn't come just for any other reason. I came so that you could experience life. And I love it. He doesn't stop then. Not just an ordinary kind of life, life in abundance. 
The Apostle John says, he who has the Son has life. We have a, the inscription on the, on the car park on the wall there. He who has the Son has life. If you want to experience life, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that as a church, we will never forget what this church is really all about. What the purpose of this building and our giving is really all about. I never want us to forget what this is really about. I never want us to get distracted by programs or by different things. I never want us to get distracted. That ultimately, this church is about seeing people's lives transformed as they come into relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I could speak about this in theory for a long time. I could try to explain to you, hey, listen, if you give your life to Jesus, your life could be lived differently. I could try and describe that to you and explain it to you in many ways. But there's nothing better than hearing people talk about the difference that Jesus has made in their life. It's a reminder to all of us of what the church is actually all about. So this morning, as the worship team ministers, I want you to watch as people declare the difference that Jesus has made in their life. Thank you. God says to the people of Israel, He bring an offering. And He says, um, I want you to build a tabernacle, a place of worship. It's there that I want to dwell among you. And there I will meet with you. And there from above the mercy seat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you. You know, the purpose of the church has not changed for thousands and thousands of years. Why do we give? We give because we want to build a place where God dwells, where God meets with people, where God speaks to people, and above all else, where we see lives changed as people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't this powerful? Come on, give them a hand.